You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, welcome to another episode of Future Friday. Today I'm joined by one of my best friends in the entire world, my bandmate Joe Godino. I'm recording this intro about a week early before the podcast is going to come out. And I'm looking at Joe staring out the circular window inside of the Rec Philly studio here with me while we recorded it. Uh, so as far as any kind of like um, news or upkeep, I'm going to be behind the week. Uh, we're still, if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast so it can pay a producer to, to make it nicer for me, uh, get at me at tom at futurefriday.net. Get it up. We are about to leave for Australia on March 8th. I cannot fucking wait to go back down there. It's been way too long since we've been there. And we'll be going to New Zealand for the first time. So that's uh, super exciting. If um, you have any uh, recommendations or cool stuff or uh, want to meet up and do something cool, get at me, tom at futurefriday.net. And without further rambling by me, here is Joe Godino. All right, here we go. Hell yeah. It's Joe Godino. Joe Godino. Right here. Drummer of the Menzingers. The band that we're in together. Yeah, we go back. <laughs> we do go back really far. Uh, right now, we're currently sitting in uh, the the podcast studio, the WXPN podcast studio at Rec Philly. It's the first time that we're using it for a Future Friday episode, and I'm so glad that you're here with me for it. This is sick. It's really legit. It's yeah. like a real studio. There's like stuff on the wall for sound. It's elevated the conversation just by the surroundings. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. I asked a, Tom uh, what if I should be me or podcast me, and I said and that you should said, be a version of a mixture of the two. Yeah. So you're getting. A mixture. Yeah, you're getting you're getting a show today. Yeah, uh, we're getting a show. There's a giant circular window next to us. We're inside the gallery. Uh, it's now called the Fashion District of Philadelphia, like you know, like Ninth and Market. It's a giant uh, indoor mall that would cross the streets underneath and, and have all the shit. Now there's all this new fashion things and like a your typical uh, uh, new American food court where there's like mm-hmm. faux fancy food. I got Chinese food there yesterday. Yeah, hell yeah, it was pretty good. It took a really long time. But that's how you know good. it's good. But they took their time, I think, is what happened. Yeah. They were really paying attention to They the took one look at you. They were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this guy knows honey chicken. We better, exactly. we better do this right. There, it's funny because I think that we kind of do know it. As far as like yeah. hyper-Americanized Chinese food goes, we've been to more than our fair share of Chinese buffets. Oh, yeah. We love Chinese buffets. On tour, we used to go to Chinese buffets a lot. We would like try to stake out the right, like, you know, right the the perfect Chinese buffet. Yeah, we found one in North Carolina that was like the best one ever. That was it was it was the best Chinese buffet I've ever been to, and I know that a lot of factors come in. You know, like your nostalgia, mm-hmm. um, the food, the location, what what the weather was that day, and I think it all aligned perfectly. And we felt totally. actually we liked it so much, and we felt so bad that Eric um, uh, was sick. He had like the flu in the hotel room that yeah. we bought, we brought him 
food from like it. Like a to-go yeah, container want him to, of mixed stuff, yeah. We want him to be a part of it. I ate frog legs there. You did eat? That's the first time I've ever seen yeah, someone eat frog move. legs. <laughs> At a Chinese buffet, especially. In, in North Carolina. Yeah, got them. They're good Far frogs away down from, there. Yeah, they got a lot of ponds, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, abundant. Yeah, very, very much so. But yeah, we've uh, we used to have a practice space in an old t- taxi dispatch office on Tasker between um, Second and Front Street. Yeah, Moymensing and Moymensing and Second. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. I actually went there the 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 other day after they kicked us out because they knocked the building down. Yeah, and uh, it is an open lane to get to the other side street full of multi-million dollar condos. It's so weird. And it puts in context too. now seeing that, like how big our practice space building was. It was so big. It was huge. It took up like a full block front, um, front to rear. So it was like, you know, we had two entrances of garage doors that went from Tasker street to like, or whatever that street is north of it. Yeah. Cross or I, I should know this by now, but, uh, yeah, it was huge. And now seeing all the housing developments there, you're like, there's enough room for two huge condos and a parking lot in between them. Yeah. And we just had all that space. Exactly. <laughs> it was like a 40,000 foot building. There was yeah. this, it was extremely sketchy. Nothing worked. Uh, no. there was no heat. Yeah. Often was, there was mostly no water. Um, we wrote an entire album, like being able to see our breath Yeah, in the one room. And Andy Clark and I had a little room attached to it that we would, um, Record bands in and stuff, and yeah, it was like it's cozy. Yeah, it was cool. I slept there a couple times. Yeah, I. Uh, we had many, I many New Year's have parties. Slept there a couple yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but yeah, the the point of the Chinese buffet was right next to that uh, Ruby buffet, a, a legendary Chinese buffet in South oh, yeah. Philly, where we had you a good can complex. see. Yeah, we think that you're a civilized society, and then you go to Ruby at uh, dinner time when they bring out the crab legs in your mm-hmm. eyes that were nothing more than a bunch of beasts grazing people <laughs> knocking each other over after the crab legs it's like in like game of thrones when they're like they have like the cockles or whatever they're called right like and people are like fighting on the yeah. street for their like, <laughs> i don't know yeah that, that scene in lord of the rings when he throws the dead orc back to the other orcs and they just start tearing them apart mm-hmm. yeah that's no. yeah that's that that was that for us yeah um but we just came home from uh what was it i think a great European tour. It was fucking awesome. It was great. Uh, one of my favorites for sure. Like in terms of just uh, everything. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, Mannequin Pussy and Spanish Love Songs were great to tour with. Um, yeah, everybody this... got along. It was real smooth. There was no like hiccups, which was nice. Well, we yeah. did have to unfortunately cancel a show um, due yeah. to like crazy weather over there. Yeah, the uh, the 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 UK enders. They're very sensationalist when it comes to the weather oftentimes because the weather doesn't vary that much so it doesn't get that hot it doesn't get that cold it's just kind of like muggy sometimes it's very beautiful I like yeah. the weather it's very Pacific Northwesty. you know they're a little yeah you forget how far north nation. you are yeah. when I look at a map compared to back home I'm like holy shit. yeah but they gave very hilarious names to storms that seemingly weren't that big of a deal, like Dennis. Yeah. Storm Dennis. Dennis. And, uh, Sounds Storm like Kiara. Decent. Yeah. They sound like nice people. Yeah. Normally. But unfortunately, the Irish Sea was swamped, and we were unable to take a ferry over to, uh, to Dublin. We had to cancel the show. We're very sorry, and we will be back. Right. Um, but besides that, the tour was great. Yeah. So I can't say no hiccups, but um, all the interrelationships of everybody, crew to bands, other bands on the tour, other crew, everybody involved. Um, it was just a really awesome time, and I think everybody had a great time, and the shows were some of our biggest uh, in some of the cities, um, and that was awesome to yeah. go over as many times as we have and still have it grow like that. And totally. I feel like there were very few asterisk incidences. No one had any meltdowns. There was no giant fights. No. Uh, I went off with a pretty, not that those are off things that often happen, but they 
they do. Uh, and yeah, it was great. Sometimes I feel like since we now have a crew that tours with us, we have uh, Scotty, our tour manager. Danielle was um, the merchandiser for the tour. Nick Harris was doing guitar tech and stage stuff. And, and Dave March from good old Macclesfield in the UK is our front house guy. And we had Andy that was driving us. Sometimes it feels like now we can be kind of steamrolling through the universe, waiting for people to hand us things. And, and to quote my great friend, Roger, Roger Harvey. But I didn't see anything that went off, you know? It was it's great. Yeah, I mean, we've worked with the same crew for a while now too, and and they're not only our crew for a, a long time, that but they're our friends too. So it's everything kind of moves. Yeah, except for when we sp- fire them. Yeah, when we have to. Sometimes we call have to them fire them and rehire room. them again. We had to fire Nick Harris once. Yeah, we had to fire Nick. Like I don't know five if years ago. we'll 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 tell the story when. Yeah, I feel like we need around. his permission to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, we but we fire, but he's back. <laughs> Better than ever. I don't want anybody to think he actually did anything really no, bad. he's crazy. He never did anything wrong. It was a joke that we had He's fired. my ice cream buddy on tour. We go after shows and find ice cream and sweets. We both have sweet teeth. I love that. Yeah. I've come with you guys on a couple of those yeah, mini adventures. We, uh, in the States, we scope out like the nearest like 7-Eleven if there's nothing around us to get like pints of ice cream. But in uh, Europe, it's nice. Pint. We can get some real... Real good late night sweets over there. Yeah, where they have real food as well. Where they have real food. Yeah, yeah. it is pretty shocking real the sugar. digestive change. Besides the fact of eating all those trays of cheese and bread, uh, I usually feel so much better being in Europe. I actually lost three pounds in Europe total. Um, That's incredible. And since I've been home, which has only been two weeks, I gained two. Amazing. <clears throat> and and I and I'm I'm haven't been drinking alcohol for quite some time now, and so there's that to completely take out of the equation. And I'm pretty active <clears throat> on tour. We we play every night. That's that's an active thing, and I'm active at home too. But I realize that it's just that's completely do what I think to diet and the food over in Europe compared to the food here. I don't really eat that much differently. I yeah, don't like totally. cut out things or either place. Um, yeah, the diet especially. Yeah, and there is the activity of the set, you know, but I feel like I always compensate for that and eat more because of the amount of energy that you're expelling. Like you play for an hour and a half. It's Oh, yeah, over I, I just eat all day over there. Yeah. We and have they just food bring around. us food. It's like they treat American and well, all the bands like over like like Kings and Queens, they just kind of roll out with a platter. You get there and there's like a a, a, a mousy German that kind of is really nice and makes coffee and it's just kind of doing stuff at the venue that you're not really sure. Mm-hmm. There's always like a guy dressed in like military style clothing, <laughs> but he's just an en- sound engineer, but he I, takes his job that seriously that he's he's prepared. And they leave before doors. <laughs> like they they come and they bring you all this amazing stuff and give you towels and all everything you need for the day yeah. and then they just disappear. And that was their job. They vanish <clears throat> into the into the German night, the yeah. sunset, which is at like three the Black p.m. Forest. Into the Black Forest. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love it. But yeah, you mentioned that you weren't uh, haven't been drinking for quite some time. We don't have to touch on that uh, too much today. Not that there's like you know dark cloud over it or whatever, but that's one thing that I talk about with a lot of people on the podcast. Yeah, especially since I did that experiment of not drinking for 110 days or whatever it was. Um, after realizing how much it was drinking and reading more about it and kind of reframing it. And it's been for me, a complete reframing. It's been be- it, amazing. I have a completely different relationship uh, with alcohol than the one that I developed over the what? 18 years before that. Yeah. But I gotta say, you look, you look great. Hey, thanks. you look great. You sound great. Thanks. Yeah. You, uh, you're, you're very happy and yeah. Yeah. It's, Doing it's cool a, shit. you know, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it, it's it's great. It's been a while. Um, I wish you know. I wish I. It's been longer. I wish I could say it's been longer. Um, you know, just in terms of like 
how good I feel. It would have been great to feel this way <laughs> a couple years ago, yeah, too. Totally. But, um, yeah, it's it's awesome. I definitely had to, like, reframe the whole uh, thing. And it it when it goes in, in waves. Anybody out there that's trying to uh, cut down or, or quit or whatever they're trying to do, you hear that, too? Yeah, what is that? You hear that knocking Someone's noise? working on something. They're like, shut up. Shut up. Um, yeah. But, it yeah, it goes in waves. I went through, like, a resentment period and, like, a... Like, I don't get to drink kind of thing. And now yeah. I'm like, I don't have to drink. So if I can sum it up in any sort of way, that's kind of how it feels. And it's awesome. Yeah. It is pretty incredible to be able to get to that, that mindset point. Yeah. Um, and it is bizarre. I always, you know, I, I'm a sucker for inspirational quotes and bullshit like that. Like sometimes I'll just look them up because if I'm feeling shitty about myself or about the world. Um, and there was one thing that you hear over and over again, this woo woo idea of your mindset can, can kind of help dictate your reality. And I actually do believe that, uh, the older that I get, cause the more I've seen it in practice and people around me and me myself and that big change between like m- my life sucks because I can't drink and I want to. And then being like, well, I don't have to drink actually. Yeah. Um, it's def- it was a freeing feeling for me for sure. Yeah. That was a- the best, best way I could describe it is like, yeah, um, it encompasses all that. Like, just freeing isn't like I don't have to uh, worry. Like, oh, tonight I really want to go out, or this thing's going on, and these people want to go to this bar or this show. But I really want to wake up early tomorrow and like climb or go to the gym or whatever. And then I'm like, shit. But I'm probably just gonna end up having six beers. Yeah. And then I and then already <laughs> deciding that my tomorrow is ruined. Yeah. Before it even had the chance to not you know to to start. And now I'm just like shit, all right, now I'm going to go out, I'm going to have fun. It wasn't fun at the beginning, it was kind of tough, but now it's fun, and I can just go out and be like, this is great, I'm having awesome conversations with people, and then I get to just wake up and feel good, I never have to worry about uh, missing out on things that I would normally uh, not be doing that cause me a lot of uh, happiness. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's funny, that resignation that exists where you, you, you hit it, you said you want to do this tomorrow, have these kind of plans, get ready, but you just resigned at the beginning. You know, deep down inside, you're just going to drink six beers. Yeah. You go. It's not, there's no like, uh, uh, example of where you're going to have the one and then, and then enjoy the rest of it. Yeah. And that's funny. Cause we spent, I was just reading this morning, uh, that there was a study done by some people at Harvard that showed that people on average spend up to 47% of their, of their time thinking about the past and the future. And if you're like preoccupied that much, it's so difficult to kind of just, like how are you actually just shedding that but i mean i i did it and still do it with other stuff all the time yeah yeah i mean that's a that's like to spend half of your time concerned with two things that you can't change uh it's a lot of time yeah but it's, <laughs> it's fucking a crazy. lot of time it's I a mean, lot of worrying and praying for something bad to happen <laughs> yeah and i mean i i try not to do it but i obviously i mean we it's human but yeah. um yeah, totally. I, it's it's really tough to not do, but um, just being aware that you're doing it is half the battle. I feel. Yeah, dude, I've had a, a bit of a, a giant mental shift recently, and this is I gotta thank my brother for putting it, and my brother and my sister in law, uh, Caitlin, for putting it into the words so perfectly. They said that you could think should. Well, actually, I just ruined it. Sorry, my bad. It's uh, instead of thinking should, you can think could. Mm-hmm. So there's so many times where I would get so upset that I wasn't doing something that I wanted to do or that I knew was good for me or that uh, was on the path to, to, to getting you know to the place wherever it is at this time that I want to go and would be like, oh, I should do this. I should do this more. I should do that more. And then just the simple reframing of I could do this more or I could do that more or I could have done that and I should have done that. Mm-hmm is a like for me it's been a subconscious self-forgiveness yeah like i don't even have to do some weird fucking hokey shit where you're trying to 
uh, forgive yourself. It actually just allowed me to, to unlock that. Um, yeah. yeah, I I read I was listening to a thing recently. I, I started like meditating and and all that, and and it's awesome. And I think it was who was it? I think it was uh, Ramdas, but he was just like basically. Uh, if you ever think or feel like I should go meditate, then don't. <laughs> like, just don't do it. Just wow, wait. That's pretty sick. Like, wait until you need, like, need to. I don't. I'm, I'm probably misquoting, but basically, that was the the first part. Was the idea it was just like, if you like, it may go against like what you're trying to say, but also it's just like, no, that's great. It's yeah, just you should. You could like, go. Be like, I could go. Yeah, I could. And I if, if that's gonna make me happy, then I'll go do it. But like, you know, if, if you ever feel like you should, like, I don't know, just be like, ask yourself why you feel like you should. Yeah. You know, and if it's something that you really need to get done, then you could go do it. I guess. But yeah, um, yeah that 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 helps me a lot in in terms of that stuff. And 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 then with that comes like forgiveness in yourself. Then you don't have to like punish yourself exactly for, for not doing it when and where you said you were going to do you think uh the uh ramdas and for me the the now like uh decriminalized nature movement and some of the uh, uh forays into spirituality is like you know how all those old hardcore bands and punk bands that we listened to from the 80s and the 90s all the people in those bands got real into like Hare krishna shit and like, yeah. uh, to, is, are we? Is that what we're becoming? So I, you know, we're, we're just getting into like the not corporate uh, mindfulness, but like, yeah. Well, like full disclosure <laughs> on this. Just yesterday, I was talking um, with someone, and I said the like punk guy finds Buddha, yeah, like, in quotes, <laughs> and I'm like. You know, there that's like a thing now, and oh, sure. I, I, and not now. It's always kind of been a thing, and I, I don't. It's kind of trying to like figure out where that comes from, um, but yeah, we're yeah, well on our way. It's like yeah, I'm already seeing it, and it's such a it's such a thing. And I don't mean that that quote in any sort of uh, negative way because I, there's definitely a common theme, and um, throughout time of people, uh, you know guys in, in bands or whatever and, and finding that and it's it's there's something there yeah yeah it's almost like a complete I mean getting into punk rock itself was culty at first you know you yeah know, like yeah. Uh, I was yeah. talking about this yesterday that you kind of your adolescence you're developing you don't have like these like deep knowledge of yourself you just haven't had the time yet you know your frontal cortex isn't developed until you're like what tw- fucking 25 or some shit mm-hmm. whether uh, I just pretended like I knew what I was talking about but the uh, right. yeah it's right sounds right no one's gonna fact check it it's just gonna look lost in the annals of the, of one, the, of one, the minutes one, one person one person will send me an email be like it's actually 26 and a half and it's not that I but, do uh, review one star <laughs> assholes but uh, yeah when you're first getting into it it's so religious and dogmatic think about how many times people are accusing each other of uh being punk rock or not being punk rock or describing what punk rock is besides just like the, the look at each other identify with these ideas i just happen to like being in live music events and i like these clothes you know that mm-hmm. kind of all that stuff and it's just it, to me it's like finding another group and and we yeah. got into when we got into punk it was a very positive thing for us because it was an outlet to uh perceive everything in a different way and then find like-minded people and to me like punk guy goes buddha thing is the same same shit it's just like you're like i i think about like all like different like authors and stuff now and i'm like oh they're in the club and now i'm like trying to get in the club yeah right (laughs) exactly or like some kind of like uh 
a new a new frame. I'm not even necessarily looking for a framework. I'm looking for the uh, knowledge to add to my own framework and see like what yeah. works, what doesn't work, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Some of that shit, you know, even traveling does that to me. When we went to Japan for the first time, that changed me so much. Uh, just being able to observe how us that that culture that we were exposed to uh, and society that we were supposed to literally we were, we were there um, was westernized from a pop culture standpoint and a technological standpoint or, or you know humanized or whatever you want to call it but there was that, that those eastern ideas of, of collectivism that we don't experience in the United States that like just blew my fucking mind the fact that there's so there's no trash cans anywhere um, they, there's retirees doing seemingly purposeless or, or unnecessary, not purposeless. There's very purposeful, unnecessary jobs everywhere. Like on a, a construction site in the street, there'll be two older gentlemen holding like a air airport uh, runway tarmac uh, batons, yeah. and they like stop people anytime a piece of machinery moves out on the sidewalk and mm-hmm. shit like that. And they just kind of stand there all day, and that's their they're the catcher on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to a sense and then you have everybody wearing masks you know typically you walk yeah, around Chinatown yeah. here you'll see a lot of Asian people with like a surgical mask on mm-hmm. uh, and I asked Mizuki who brought us over there about it uh, well, like what the deal was I was always wondering and he, he said that it's not to stop yourself from getting sick all the time it's more so a way for you to not get everyone else sick yeah and just like thinking about that as an american where we live in this fucking sick world of get what's mine it's just a yeah that that interesting turn of phrase one aspect the masking like changed so much in my head of of the culture there yeah that was what like three years ago now we went yeah and it was yeah i think about it probably every day yeah me actually Nick and I, Nick, our, our guitar tech, he, we have a joke where like, if he's ever eating like sushi or like anything <laughs> Asian or whatever, he's just, I'm just like, oh. And then I've told him so many stories about Japan that he's just like, oh, you've, you've been to Japan. And <laughs> we have this whole running joke. Cause I just don't even realize Kaylee too. My, my, my girlfriend, she's the same, same way. She's like, it turned off. It, it turned, it started out as like, tell me about Japan. Like, oh, what do they do? You know, like if we're at like I don't know, whatever, whatever we're doing, but that's associated. And she's just like, and now it's like, I know, Joe, I know <laughs> we have to go. You're right. But I know you were there. You were there. <laughs> that's awesome. That story. Yeah. I love that so much. That was such a, uh, an incredible, incredible experience. Um, yeah, man. So we've known each other for a really, really long time. Yeah. Uh, your great aunt was my grandmother's best friend. Yeah, and yeah. growing up in the Bellevue section of West Granton, mm-hmm. and it's Granton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, the, um, it's. I mean, a lot of people that know us and and are close to us know the know the story, but a lot of people don't. And um, yeah, we're. Uh, I have like pictures at my house of our our you know family, oh, like family members in the fifties, like hanging out together as like children yeah. and stuff. And it, yeah, it goes back really far. It's crazy. Yeah. I remember they, you know, they were, it was a, such a very stereotypical Scranton Irish Catholic situation at my grandmother's house where every Sunday or whatever it would be your great, uh, your aunt Jeannie Reardon, their closeted gay friend who yeah. was always there with like a different friend and right. had like bright red hair and was super, super fabulous. And I wouldn't really realize that when I was a, a kid. And I think I'm like 99% sure about that, not to just frame it that way. And then a priest would be there, you know, the local priest would be hanging out yeah. and then just like a couple of the people shaman. and they would all just be sitting, the shaman. Yeah. And they would all just be sitting around getting drunk and playing with uh, tin whistles and shit like that. It's hilarious. Yeah. And yeah, they, I remember as a kid, um, both of our, 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 my aunt and, and Tom's grandmother have, 
past now, but I remember when we were kids, there was a lot of parties. Oh yeah, and being kids running around and just being like everybody's so happy and just realizing everybody was just drinking. Everybody was wasted. They were just drinking, and we we were just like oblivious to it. But now thinking back on it, it's really funny. Like they, yeah. they had some good times. Yeah, I think that they really. They my mom hard. put it right uh, a way that they worked hard and they played hard. Yeah, yeah, you know, because they like they all started their own businesses and did all that shit and they played really hard yeah it's crazy yeah. yeah but yeah we go back so then you know when we started the band we had already been playing in another band before that yeah um so we've also been playing music together for a really long time so long uh yeah and there's definitely i always forget after we don't jam for a couple weeks and we go back in and jam again and realize how great we are at uh you know, all four of us being it, and that's, we'll brag a little bit, we've been playing together for like fucking 15 years. Yeah. Little things and stops and intuitive uh, kind of, while we're writing and intuitive jamming and shit like that is so fucking fun to be able to do that. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, we, we honestly literally don't have to talk to each other about things we just can play them and, and finish each other's sentences in a musical way yeah for you sure know? and it's it's pretty crazy at this time i mean we've been in this band 15 years and then we played for a few years before that so yeah. you know we're probably going on like 20 years of playing music together yeah and that's uh it's a long time to like speak a different language to other people you know? yeah it's you crazy understand it pretty well totally i feel like some of the best songs that we've written came about that way as well we were always not the rule that the greatest songs that we've ever written were done in two days, but some of the best songs that we've ever written were just kind of like, oh, we'll do this, this, and this. Everybody knows we're going to do this part. Uh, that mm-hmm. feels incredible. Everybody's like just rolling through it, and then the next thing we know, the song's just done. Yeah, yeah, we definitely hit hit some strides. Like, there's always that weird, like, day or two going back to jamming or, like, writing a new album or whatever we're doing where it's like you kind of have to get your footing a little, but, like, after that, we hit that stride, and I feel like it's... Yeah, it just moves along really naturally now. It's yeah, awesome. man. It's so goddamn sick. But yeah, so I'm so stoked that we're doing this podcast. The original idea that I had that is I love the also I love playing in a band and living this lifestyle because I have so many pipe dreams and then some of them manifest and some of them don't. Some of yeah. them are outrageous and unworkable and you got to get grounded by you guys and our manager Tim and stuff to be like, no, that's a dumb idea mm-hmm. for this reason, this reason, this reason. But my original idea was to... Uh, talk about our favorite UFO and paranormal experiences that happened in the places that we were going to on the tour to record while we were doing it, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but my plans for tour are always dashed every time. I'll bring like three books on tour, yeah. read one. Yeah. Uh, I'll bring like equipment to record a podcast and not record it. I'll bring like sporting equipment and not use it. It's just yeah, yeah. a comfort thing of having it there and then realizing that the, there are only so many hours in the day. Yeah, it. I, I'm the same way. I tried to like... Every tour, though, I think you get better at it, and every time we travel, you get a little bit better at, like, you used to just pack so much because I was like, I'm going to need all of this shit all the time, but then you realize you don't, and so it's just, like, you know, mentally and physically packing less every time you go, and you just kind of, you know, now I'm like, all right, I'm going to bring that book, and I'm going to bring that piece of exercise equipment because I'm actually going to use those. I know what it's like to just have that whole bag of stuff that I'm not going to use, and it just gets in the way. Hell yeah. But yeah, but it's, I mean, the uh, allure of just like being in all these different places every day and being able to do all these things, it's like, it makes sense, you know? And then you get into the daily routine of a tour and you realize like, sometimes you just feel super lazy. Oh yeah. Sometimes you need to be lazy. I mean, you're like the the emotional um, energy that you have to expel for 
playing the set in front of all those people, which is incredible. And I would not even I'm not even remotely complaining, but it does make you tired. Um, and just the constant traveling and the uncertainty of where you what you're going to eat, like everything, just gets so fucking tiring. Yeah. But um, it is it is beautiful. Now that we're in a bigger band, it's so much easier. We're so fucking lucky. I love it. Yeah, it's um, we we're we're definitely at a point where um, you know, some of the stresses of travel and stuff are still there, but they're definitely alleviated. Um. Or just less intense than they used to be. Yeah, um, mitigated partially. Yeah, I mean, we can have more crew. We can have uh, more people helping us that, um, you know, to free up time in our days, which is nice. Um, and they work super hard all day to make sure everything runs so smooth. And then, so yeah, that's the, uh, the like, temptation to just be like, I'm going to do all this stuff is even more now because we have a lot of free time. Yeah, more time. Um, more time than we have had in the past. Um, so it's also like trying to learn and figure out what to do with all that time, you know? Yeah, totally. But, uh, yeah, so you just, do you want, can you tell me about your UFO sighting? Yeah. Let's just, let's dive into this shit. Yeah, it's I been a long both time. both you and I have been super into the pop culture, uh, aspect of UFOs and, and, uh, yeah. uh, various paranormal things ever since we were kids, you know, it's like the X-Files yeah. or all the movies. I remember watching Stargate for the first time in your parents' basement. Yeah, hell yeah. That was one of the only, so my dad worked for Wea Manufacturing in, uh, um, I think it was Oliphant, Pennsylvania, and it was one of the, the first and most uh, by, prolific by volume uh, manufacturers of CBD, CDs and DVDs in the country. So when DVDs first came out, they took a... Uh, a DVD player and passed it around between the families, so like everybody who worked at the at yeah. the at the place. And the first one we watched was Space Jam. It was like, uh, nice. you guys aren't gonna believe it. There's a movie on a disc. Yeah, and the quality isn't crazy. But one of the few movies that we had was Stargate because they just like got it. He got that for free or whatever a couple years later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so before that, even I've always just been into like sci-fi stuff as a kid. I mean, what you know, I, I guess I could say this. Uh, confidently like what kid isn't in, in, in like into like Star Wars or whatever like there was sure. always something like yeah it's like a space it's just, it's an, uh, diff- a story that's set in space you know? yeah, it's like yeah. Space so I don't novel. think I was like alone in that for any uh, to an extent but like I do feel like that I took it uh, and kind of ran with it for like even up until now I still am just obsessed with like any like a lot of different things in sci-fi and that then at one point turned into like the real life sci-fi of like you know ufos and and conspiracies and stuff like that but yeah but um but it's it's an interesting thing and i've been trying to read more books on it and stuff to try to get more of a a grounded view of it too because it can get kind of go yeah. in a lot of directions but when i was around 19 20 um I saw some crazy stuff that I still to this day cannot explain or have seen anything else like. So that kind of moved me along in that direction even more so than I was before. Um, but yeah, I was uh, delivering for a pharmacy at the time in Scranton, and we prescription center, prescription center. We R. all R. worked there at some point. I That's think it's probably still open. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And. So I did just drive around um, during the days and I had like night shifts too where I'd drive around to different nursing homes and stuff and like drop off people's prescriptions for the day. And this one particular place, um, I used to bring friends too, which is- Yeah, I used to ride with you. It'd be like, yeah. we would literally, quite literally just smoke a joint on the oh, long yeah. drives and kind of hang out. And I mean, what else do you do when you're a teenager? You just sit 
places. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just drive around anyway. So <laughs> I was getting paid for it, which is nice. Yeah. But I remember I had a different uh, friend with me at the time, and, and I was like, hey, you want to go on this drive with me? It was like a place about 20 minutes out. Um, and it was this big nursing home, and you had to drive up a hill, and it was kind of set on top of a hill in like toward uh, up a hill in Scranton where you can kind of have a really crazy view of like the valley of Scranton and all the little yeah. neighboring towns. So you can kind of see out and and all this. And we, I pulled in the parking lot and parked the car and we got I got out of the car to get like the bins out of the back and in front of me was like the view of the whole kind of uh, valley and you could see all the lights of the city and you could see like downtown Scranton and all the little neighborhoods. And behind me was like the entrance to the building and there was like from what I remember, it was like five to 10 nurses outside, like on like a cigarette break. And so I'm getting the stuff out of the thing and I'm like in the car, like half in the car, getting the stuff out. And behind me, I just hear one of the women be like, what the hell is that? (laughs) Or something like that. And so I look back at her and they're all like pointing at the sky. And me and a friend of mine that I was with, we turned around and looked and there were these two orange dots in the sky from what I remember about like if you were to hold your finger up like dime size in the sky and they started up really high in the sky and they were next to each other and they were both like moving downward and like uh the kind of like movement where like one would go like ahead of the other one and the other one would kind of catch up and one would just kind of like go slower and then the other one would go a little quicker and they just like made that that motion for a while until they got to like right above the skyline you know and and they then they started moving left and then going back so they were up going again. vertical and they just immediately started doing yeah like then they laterally. start they, yeah exactly they went laterally and then and then back up again until they finally they did the same thing but in reverse just like one would go higher than the other one would go on top and then they would kind of like go back and forth and then eventually just disappeared and i don't remember if it was disappeared because of like the height so they just like you just weren't able to like slowly, slowly like not see it anymore, or if it was more of just like a disappear. Um, I think a problem with thinking back on any stories like this is like you start to fill in the blanks yourself of what you would, what's the easiest to explain or what is what you remember. But I just, I, I don't want to say that because I don't, I'm not confident in it. So I don't want to just say whatever. So I don't remember how they disappeared basically, but it was, it was crazy. It was unusual movement. They weren't planes because planes, I mean, we see planes every day in the sky. You know what a plane looks like. Um, So you can immediately just move that out of your brain. And yeah, they were just orange dots. And they moved quickly and and erratically. So fucking cool. So after that, I I remember I had like a flip phone and I took a picture of it and I came back to the house. I remember remember you having the flip phone picture. And all it was was like a grainy picture of like, could have been a street light. Like there was no context. There was no, but that's what we were working with at the time, unfortunately, because now I would have had a video. Yeah, you would have had the sickest video. Uh, Yeah. And that, and that bums me out because all I have is a story, but I, it, it changes your mind a lot. Like, I want to believe that this stuff is real, so I'm biased, of course, but, like, yeah. I also... I mean, you don't know if it was an extraterrestrial vehicle, an interdimensional being, an aerial phenomenon. It could be the fucking weather, like, all that shit, but still, like... Yeah, that's the other thing, is you can't really... You can't really... Uh, uh, we have no idea. <laughs> yeah. and And you just have to keep your mind open to that. Like, it could be honestly be some... So could be anything and just there's so many things that we just don't understand yet so i i want to keep an open mind but it was just you know it's like and i've never seen anything like it since you know it's never anything that i 
thought could be like replicated in anything else. It didn't seem like anything else to me. Like the, obviously the, the only thing that should be in the sky is a plane. Yeah. <laughs> like if it's not a plane, then what is it? You yeah. Know, a plane of some sort or an aircraft of some sort, military or commercial or whatever. But so to me, I was just like, well, that was weird. And yeah. that I, I can't uh, begin to imagine what it was, but it was definitely strange. So fucking sick. I have, uh, I'm yet to have my own story, but I have a feeling that I will uh, uh, someday. Um, but yeah, speaking about getting into to books and stuff, I know we both read, um, and I would recommend this book to anybody who is interested in the UFO phenomenon from, from any place, angle, you know, whatever, uh, would be the UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities by uh, Dr. John B. Alexander. Yeah. He was a retired colonel uh, in the Air Force. And I guess basically the the, 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 the point driven home by that book, so he cites a bunch of things and cites a lot of evidence of... Um, uh, mostly concerning intergovernmental uh, memos and shit like that and letters and um, uh, some ad hominem, not ad hominem, some, um, uh, not ad, what's the word for anecdotal shit. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, but he basically is like, listen, they, they're the, we're hiding shit, but not necessarily because of the access to technology or some of the other common conspiracy theories or that the world is run by reptiles or whatever. It's just that the people within those governmental agencies have no idea what it is and don't know how to handle it. And yeah. they're just like, well, I'm not, I don't want to handle it or don't have the capacity to handle it. So we're just like, fuck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I, that, yeah, I, so I've read that book. We both read it and it's awesome. And I'd say it's a good starting point only because it comes at it from a, not a fanatical point of view at all. And you don't have to feel like somebody's trying to make you drink some Kool-Aid. Like oh, he's, sure. he's like an extremely intelligent person. So much so that like I have a hard time following it sometimes because he he he's you can tell he's he's so incredibly experienced in yeah. so many things that like it almost goes beyond like what we can understand as just non-military as yeah it's a, little, it's a little dense for sure and it's, yeah. it's good to, uh, I think uh, I would recommend reading it on Kindle so you can like highlight shit and look it up or yeah yeah it definitely but, should be like researched as you go totally um, but I love it for that reason because it, it comes at it from a very like real standpoint and his biggest thing I think the, the, the narrative through the whole book is that a lot of people want to believe the men in black kind of like government, black government thing, like, yeah. like secret government. And like, not that I don't think that there are some things that are kept in their own places that aren't uh, completely visible to us. But I, but he just explains from like a bureaucratic standpoint how it's like all, really, really hard to just have something that big um, be that covered up. Yeah. And if that explains it well, so but. I think it's a great entrance point for that kind of shit, especially because it, some of the other books that that we've read and some of the other places that you'll find this information on the internet are is full of people who research this all day, and mm-hmm. you can be extremely alienating in your presentation if that's your life because you're like, well, you know, like you you, you could hit somebody with so much shit that changes the, their their paradigm and worldview concerning, uh, you know, UFOs and alien contact and government cover-ups that, like, it, of course, it's going to get thrown away immediately. You're going to be turned off by it, you know, like, um, yeah, yeah. if you start talking about fucking central bankers when, in a UFO book, immediately it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one to swallow. Yeah, yeah. You definitely have to have an open mind, I think, generally, to get it, to, to get into this. But I think there's good starting points, and I think that book is one because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the stigma around it is so intense. I look at it as like the way that we've watched movies concerning aliens and stuff like that. 
uh, created by you know like the Spielberg Spielberg movies and mm-hmm. shit like that is the way that we view the world is so colored by that whether it's consciously or subconsciously mm-hmm. that it blurs the line between reality and fantasy in in a good way and a bad way I think in a bad way in that we are less likely to take real evidence into consideration and in a good way in that it opens you up to the possibility on the same same side of the uh, same side of the, two different sides of the same coin mm-hmm. um, and I mean in the beginning of it the U.S. Air Force uh, investigations and the U.S. government's investigations, they did conscious, uh, uh, consciously try to, not humiliate, but to, to discredit witnesses. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Project Blue Book, and I think it was J. Al Hynek that would go on TV and be like, you know, the, the whole swamp gas phenomenon and some of those ridiculous things where you would consider a experienced pilot's view of something and explain it just, you know, in an absurd way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's... You know, not like it wasn't a concerted effort, whether it was to stop people from panicking or actually hide contact or whatever it was. You could get so far down that rabbit hole, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. Even the one, so you just finished reading uh, Unacknowledged, right? Which is uh, yeah. Stephen Greer, put, Dr. Stephen Greer put that together. Yeah, yeah. It was a documentary. I think it's on, uh, I mean, you could find it online very easily. I don't know what streaming service it's on now, but it actually like did really well on... I don't know if it was like iTunes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I bought it when I pre-ordered. I watched it. I had a little party with uh, Jeff Riddle and and, and Connor. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. So, yeah, I I watched it a couple years ago, and then uh, I was gifted the book um, by... uh, by Kaylee, my, my girlfriend, her her parents for Christmas because so they sick. know I'm into that <laughs> stuff. And like, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So I, I read it, and uh, it's all just accounts of that. Basically, the whole book is just accounts of of military or um, government officials, or not even like for the whole span of people that are lower level to v- people that are very high level, like with insane clearance levels and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, the former um, Secretary of Defense of Canada. Uh, you had like yeah. Apollo astronauts as part of it. It's talk about a fucking polarizing figure. That guy, uh, Stephen Greer, put together a a uh, the, 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 he was the director, the founder, whatever of the Disclosure Project, which mm-hmm. had a uh, I watched a National Press Club uh, press conference, and I think it was in the summer of two thousand and one where they brought all these witnesses together to to talk about it, and they made a documentary of it. And that was how I first watched it. it was the early days of. Um, uh, going around conspiracy theory message boards on the internet and yeah. like waiting for f- 24 hours to download an, an hour long video and then mm-hmm. watching it blurry. I remember buying a PCR card so I can get the the audio visual outhook to the television and we would yeah, hang out. I remember we 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 watched it. Yeah. Near- or try to. I don't yeah, know. we either watched it at my parents' basement or your mom's house. We were like in high school. Yeah, we were in high school. It was fucking, it was wild. I was super into it. But that guy has now gone on to, um, it's so polarizing online. People, you know, he did that. Obviously, it was a really difficult uh, thing and a huge feat to put on to get all of those witnesses together. And now he is constantly asking for money to do these um, meetups where they claim that they're making contact with yeah. like interdimensional beings in a telepathic way. Yeah. And even if they are doing that, which I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't think they are. I don't have any reason to, to, to believe that they are. That's so fucking hard to swallow for everyone. Yeah, that's know? like, so conveniently, I, uh, he leaves that for the last part of the book. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which which got me at the end, and I was like, cool. <laughs> you know, I, it's it's a hard pill to swallow. But, yeah, so that's at the end. Um, and, yeah, it, that's that's tough when, when you go down that route. It's kind of like... You know, you can be so credible and then you say something like that and you can't just expect 
I mean, who the hell knows? But you can't just expect yeah. normal, the average person that's just researching this stuff to just like be able to be okay. Yeah, be that okay like whole that. the meta uh, analysis of the uh, motivation of the aliens is always one of my favorite arguments against uh, the visitation of extraterrestrials. It's like, well, we surely we would have seen them, or surely they would have contacted our leaders. And it's like, how could you possibly take anything that we have done from the uh, an evolutionary point of view on Earth, the way that we structure our societies, the way that we interact with each other, the way that we uh, do any of those things and mm-hmm. apply any type of discernible motivation or behavior to uh, an alien that, that would have, or you know, a collective being, group of beings, or whatever the fuck it is that would have would have evolved somewhere else, or possibly on a higher plane of consciousness, or whatever. So, the truth it probably is more bizarre than than what we came up with. It could be you could probably sit there and fucking meditate and talk to an alien. Who knows? But um, yeah, I mean, like, why you know, why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, and that's specifically why I like those two books because they they touch on those two th- that that aspect of what you just said like a lot. Um, basically, saying like to put some sort of motive to this is 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 just wrong. And and any time that they do put a motive to it, it's it always has pretty common themes. And yeah. um, any a lot of of that is is you know one of the big themes is it always kind of surrounded some kind of like nuclear situation yeah so i wanted to bring that up nuclear sites or in air or like places where they purposely like let off nuclear bombs or whatever and so that is i mean if you were going to put a motive to it both of those books um touch on that pretty consistently and it's funny all the um in in steven greer's book it's all just testimonies from people uh, from all over the military and and, and government. And that is such a common theme of people that don't know each other. You know, he's interviewing people from all over the place. And and that is a common theme where it's like, I was a guy working at this nuclear plant and this is what happened. And then another guy. So it's like, if there were a common theme and a purpose or motive, um, I guess, you know, that's a good place to start. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Of how dense that, um, that, situation is yeah and the surge of sightings you know coincides with uh, our capture technology and the more time that we like video cameras and shit like that and radar and the more time that we had spent in the air but also uh from a statistical standpoint of collecting the reports and uh, the reported ufo instances after the detonation of the nuclear weapons in the late 1940s um mm-hmm. there the mid 1940s is what kind of where it kicks off so yeah it does seem like they're that might be motivated i think that they use the analogy Somebody uses the analogy of like they they found the kids playing with matches and they're like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. we should probably either take the matches off the kids or see if uh, see what they, you know, make sure that they don't destroy the entire fucking world with uh, nuclear missiles. Yeah, or or beyond, you know, like I mean, who knows how, you know, like the the way that uh, that can travel. You know, it's like it could be detrimental to not just our world but beyond that. You know? Yeah, you know, totally, it, and like. I don't know. So they're just like, yeah, do what you want with your little space, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fuck up the rest of the universe. Yeah, exactly. Leave us alone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's, that's like probably the, the, I mean, people want concrete, something concrete. And, and, and especially I think for like skeptics or people that are very skeptic, like they need, it's always those questions like, why don't they land on the White House lawn? Yeah. It's like, cause the White House is not the White House to them. And, like yeah. if, 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 and we're calling them them as if they're just people like Do you us. go and it's ask like, the, the ant to take you to the, to the Queen Anne or do you just yeah. observe it or do you do pour gasoline on them and 
destroy yeah. them because they're going to destroy your house. Yeah, totally. So it's, you know, and people, and I don't, I don't fault anybody for thinking like you, you want something concrete and you want something, uh, with evidence and hard evidence and that makes sense. And so do I, I want that too, but it's just like, it's, if that were going to happen, it would have, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally. not the way it's going to go. I mean, there's some serious, when it comes to evidence, that's what I was going to ask you next was from your memory, what are some of the, the biggest, uh, events or instances that are kind of really push you along to be like, all right, I think that they have visited or are visiting or um, that there's this should be taken very seriously. For me, it's the nuclear armaments one where there's so yeah. many instances of uh, the inexplicable shutdown of intercontinental ballistic missiles mm-hmm. um, occurred during the observance of a weird aerial phenomena, you know, like it's yeah. how the a UFO shows up, some fucking 18 year old kid is outside pissing his pants mm-hmm. on the radio and then the um, nuclear weapons start to start to shut down. And I think that's a pretty crazy event that you should definitely research. Uh, it's one of the, one of the biggest ones for me for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that's, that's really high up there. I, other than that, it's hard to um, think of anything as, consistent that's happened yeah because there hasn't been any I, I mean this is in my like somewhat limited not not I wouldn't say limited knowledge I probably researched this enough to to have would be have been able to seen see if if it were there any other uh things as consistent as that yeah as nuclear like with the documentation happening. with the anecdotal evidence from the people that were there with yeah. like yeah like it, it would be like you know if they were constantly following uh, commercial airlines, which have happened, a lot of pilots have come out and said that they've seen crazy Dude, stuff. And the Japan Air, uh, the, the yeah. Japan Air incident. Yeah, fuck, yeah. Fuck, that's insane. But if that were happening like every day, or even every like a few times a year that were that documented, I'd say yeah. like maybe there's something there that I, I don't know. I just feel like basically what I'm saying is I think that. That is the most the anything involving nuclear activity is is the most common theme um, that I know of. So yeah. I'd say that is probably a really good place to start. Yeah, totally. The uh, there's something in the news recently that the we were receiving a a uh, repeating signal. Uh, yeah. One of the uh, uh, I don't think it was SETI itself. I should have researched this article before I knew I wanted to talk about it, and I completely forget a lot of what I read about it. But uh, that is is super fascinating. I, I went to go see. Remember Contact? Yeah. So I went to go see um, uh, the doctor speak. She was who Carl Sagan based the character, Jodie Foster's character. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and she gave a talk at um, one of the old lecture halls at at UPenn, and I went with like um, nice. old Jeff Riddle and I think Augusta and, and I think Matt came, and it was fucking awesome. But she brought up a, a, an amazing point while we were doing it. So, so first of all, they're finding so many planets in the Goldilocks zone of star systems, like mm-hmm. tons. They didn't think there were that many. Now they're finding more, more and more uh, they can count because the detection technology has gotten so much better. Um, but even so, when they started SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence in like the '60s or '70s or whatever, I love this podcast idea. I could just spit shit out and not have the exact date because we're not journalists. We're like yeah. rock, and, rock and roll people. We're just talking. Yeah, we're just talking shit. But yeah, so she, uh, there's a hilarious giant beetle flying around here. It looks like a stink bug. <laughs> Whenever it lands, it's like loud. It like makes a thump. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the that room's thing's got dead. some like armor. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a alien robot watching us. 
Yeah. <laughs> like just in the room, right. making sure we don't hit anything on the head too hard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that they, when the sixties and seventies, when they started doing that, they were using technology, searching for radio signals and, uh, uh, radar stuff on the other planets. And then we, as humans here on earth quickly stopped using that technology as much. Uh, so the idea that we were looking for that as a symbol or sorry, as a signal of, uh, intelligent, civilization being there was already outdated mm-hmm. uh, it got outdated pretty quickly so they are trying to these new approaches where they are uh, using interconnected computer power and searching for atmospheric content uh, it's it's pretty fucking sick uh, I think that it's, it's kind of gonna hopefully snowball into the situation where we're starting to see all kinds of wild ass planets that are that are what we consider to be habitable by our biological standards yeah that was uh, one big thing that I that opened my eyes and I think it was um yeah, I think it was in the John Alexander book where he talks about what you just said, like we're searching for radio signals, which is just something that we've yeah, only in the grand scheme of things just discovered ourselves totally. and have put to use. And now it's already kind of like uh, it's it's been it's being replaced by other things. But, yeah, that was like a big thing. And I was I thought like like the idea that like so one of the big questions I have is like, how do we know so much about like these planets or like stars that are so far away that we can only observe through like a telescope or just some sort of like other activity that, you know, is watching them for long periods of time. Yeah. It's like how do we visible light spectrum most of the time, you know, looking for different types of radiation and yeah. It's, yeah. But how much you can them later. Yeah. Yeah. How much they can find out just by, um, knowing what it's like emitting, you know, and I don't know, I guess I'm kind of hitting a wall with that. I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but also I just think that it's like crazy that, yeah, we're, we're looking for, a signal that it's like when you, I just stopped and thought about it, I was like, yeah, why would it be that? Oh yeah. Signal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> even would... think of it, the, uh, it brings to mind for me, the technological discrepancies that exist between groups of humans on earth. There's a, a credible YouTube video of a, like, um, some Amazonian researchers that go out into the Amazon and they find a tribe of people that are unconnected to the, like, the connected tribe of all of us out here with, you know, telephones and video and, and all that shit and the, the economic connection. And they uh, show them like a mirror and a video and a match and everybody starts freaking the fuck out and losing their minds. And then yeah. if that just kind of discrepancy can exist between people that are like, you know, a two hour plane ride away from each other, yeah. then are our, our looking for technological triggers seems to be... Um, not to be fatalist, but it just seems like a bad idea. I'm also not a scientist in any means, shape, or form. And I understand that if you're spending millions and millions of dollars, these people have a plan and they have a, a great call to it. It's just so fascinating. Like, what are we going to look for? Psychic waves? You can't measure that shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. I just think it, it just comes down to, like, whatever. It's like throwing the net out there and whatever comes back is going to be interesting. It's like, you know, it, whether you find a piece of gold or a pebble that's like kind of weirdly shaped, but it might just be a pebble. I don't know. I just feel like (laughs) anything you throw out there is going to be, um, I just think you can't have, uh, such grand expectations obviously. And I'm sure like these people, like scientists and people that actually are doing this stuff every day know that, but any, anything you get back, I mean, you're trying to cast a pretty wide net and it, it, whatever you can come back with, um, should be like celebrated and, and, Research totally with such a little resources as well. You know, we are uh, not spending that as much money on it. Yeah, Um, trying to sort things out here first, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
the uh, I'm really excited about some of the things that have come out in the last few years regarding video released by different military organizations. So there's the Mexican Air Force. I use this as my profile pic on our band Slack. I don't know if you noticed that, <laughs> but it is a I don't know if I knew. That's yeah, I don't think anyone would know unless you're a fucking giant nerd, which we I think we both are. But the uh, Mexican um, Air Force was given some high-tech infrared cameras to use to catch drug traffickers i think was the was was the reason that the 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 us lent the equipment or gave the equipment mm -hmm. but they followed these craft or orbs or whatever they are um off the coast that weren't visible in our visible light spectrum but showed up on the infrared spectrum mm. so it's a pretty breathtaking video and it's pretty crazy to just watch them follow along with it and uh, there, i haven't read anything that was a very great quote-unquote debunking of it yeah but that was a, a, a huge one and that kind of lends itself to the idea that our understanding of the material of these craft may not be so rigid and earthly you know cause maybe they're popping in and out of dimensions like what the fuck you know we have, we have no idea i mean it would probably it would explain how they can travel in the first place such large distances i mean we we assume it's a vast uh or a long distance you know they'd have yeah. to be from somewhere that's not close but, but so far light years away like i think the yeah. closest planet i'm not even gonna guess so that was like uh but it's many many light years and that's how long it far light travels in a year's time like that's so fucking fast and crazy yeah yeah i mean it would have to be something that we just can't explain for that to, be, to even be able to be here at yeah all. um another common theme that i saw a lot and especially the stephen greer book is that um a lot of it uh there were a lot of instances where people unrelated were saying um how a lot of the craft seemed almost like organic in nature and 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 almost not, like some kind of living thing yeah or it was like part of reimagined yeah uh i think that it was it was a big thing that was in that book was that um the like things that looked like pieces of a suit or something were actually more so uh could be like a material that was could possibly be organic in that they'd didn't see how it could also be like a metal or something because it's also yeah. just stuff that like we just probably uh made of things that we're just we just don't have <laughs> yeah in some way i don't know um i'm not doing it justice exactly but it but yeah the idea that uh you could see something and it not be people just i think a lot of me too just would assume it's just a piece of floating metal but it could be just, it's could be anything any, that we can't even possibly yeah, begin to comprehend. Yeah. And could be it's probably a good idea just to stay open to the fact that it it, it could be uh not man made. Yeah. Well. Totally. Or some kind of that's that's trippy as hell. Imagine this just like you know that scene at the end of Men in Black when he was the aliens playing marbles and the thing yeah. that was around <laughs> they were chasing after the you don't get a spoiler because the movie's been out for like twenty years. Yeah, if you haven't seen the end. Yeah. Also if you haven't yeah. seen Men in Black, fuck you. Yeah, my favorite movie. I take that as a personal attack. It's not my favorite movie, but it's pretty great though. It's and so I feel good. like it's one of those things where it's like, uh, it, it it's a another common theme in 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 that book where he would say like a lot of people say like, you know, this is a, another hard pill to swallow. But like the tabloids and stuff like that, you see, like that's <laughs> that's like that's purposely put there because it's like so, one of my made, favorite parts of it. Yeah. Made to look just made to de decredit or you know just be like create uh, create a, like a very hokey stigma around it but in men in black it's like it's just like a tabloid 
yeah at to life and it's uh, that's how like, they find out what's actually happening is by yeah, checking the yeah. tabloids but we just <laughs> read it all off because it's hilarious so insane concept. yeah I love that was, that's so fucking funny like Marilyn Monroe gets killed because she knew about aliens or whatever but that's like there's legitimate like <laughs> stuff around that that's actually like really interesting I went know? down the, the Marilyn Monroe rabbit hole uh, mm-hmm. for sure before with the way that the door was locked the medicine that they yeah. she had in her system all that's kind of you know what a dark uh, event but yeah, I could see where some of those um, conspiracies came around, especially you know knowing both Kennedy brothers, like yeah, yeah, all that shit. There's a lot. I mean, yeah, do your own research on that. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff around that that's pretty interesting. You know yeah, say? it's insane. Oh, but yeah, the living thing. So at the end of Men in Black, they have the marble that they were chasing after the entire time, which was actually just another galaxy that was within the uh, thing that was around the cat's neck that they yeah. were protecting. Yeah, and. Yeah, imagine that above, as above, so below. You know, like the alien is there. Um, what if, like, there's just massive single-celled organisms just floating around in a dimension right next to ours that are interacting? Just you get trippy, real trippy, real fast. Yeah, I mean, I mean, think you know, you just it's just con. Uh, it's all kind of relevant in that way. Like an 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 ant. Be, they're not conscious thinkers like we are I don't think uh, but I don't yeah. know but uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said that but I just basically like you know we're giant I don't know why can't there be something a bigger creature like we we're, do you think we're the biggest yeah creatures even totally. <laughs> like how, how is that possible speaking of megalophobia about whales yeah I was about to say speaking of megalophobia <laughs> like things that are bigger than you make it terrifying some of the USO incidents uh, incidences are some of the most compelling evidence that's out there where you have mobilized entire groups there's one in the in the the up in canada and one of the sounds up there where they a giant object was seen submerging uh from the water and then emerging back down into the water and it was chased after by you know fucking submarines and shit like that's it's crazy that's crazy and horrifying yeah i i think about like if you see those like books when you were a kid where like they'd show like a whole page of like sea animals or sea creatures and like what they would be in like they'd have like a human next yeah. to it and how big and I just think about like fish that look like tiny fish that are huge so, like that are like sturgeons? the size of like school buses yeah. but they just look like fish you'd like fish in a pond <laughs> but they're just that big and yeah. I think about that and I'm like that is probably to me one of the most terrifying things if you were just swimming and saw anything that size how like terrifying that would oh be. yeah i gotta make a, a confession as unlikely and, and kind of absurd it is that's like my biggest fear i can't i fucking hate fairies i yeah. hate uh swimming in lakes where the water's all brown i hate yeah. like doing all that shit because the 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 unknown is just so jarring to me from us uh from my senses a sensational point of view i'm like yeah. fuck that imagine if you were on a ferry and a thing showed up underneath it that was as big as the boat yeah, no, that's not cool. Fuck that. Yeah, not cool. I don't, I would be terrified. I thankfully don't also have that fear. I have, I have extreme fear of flying um, that I have been better at coping with lately, but it's still really intense. Yeah, of the journey, which is unfortunate because of how often that we fly. But I yeah. got to say, over the last 10, 10 or so years, you've gotten so much better at flying. Yeah, it, it, I hate it. Um, but Tom has a fear of, you have a fear of, Large like, objects in the water, yeah. Yeah, like op- more open water scenarios, which, yeah. which doesn't... So, like, yeah, I don't know. But It I would get, be cool I if it. I could wear a, a life understand. vest the whole time that we're on the ferry. I would, yeah. I would like that. <laughs> yeah, but I'll no, go out on boats and lakes reasonable. and shit like that, but I don't know. Yeah, something about it. And I followed this subreddit called um, Thalassophobia. I think that's the actual word mm-hmm. for it. And submechanophobia. So submechanophobia is a fear of 
giant mechanical objects underwater, like sunken ships and shit like that. Oh wow, not that scary. Just scary that looking. like they're gonna come back as like ghost ships. And, I like... guess yeah, <laughs> or just like their existence. You know, you ever get to, you ever have a dream where you're like in a car and no one's driving, or um, I get I have a dream a lot that I'm naked in high school. That... <laughs> So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the same, same thing, right? Yeah. But was, uh, I sometimes I'll have dreams where the proportions of my body versus the world around change them. Like that episode, like that level in Mario, uh, Mario three. Oh yeah. Where everything's real big. Sometimes it'll just yeah, like, yeah. happen in a dream, and that's like jarring. I think maybe no, that's I, what it is. Like underwater, you see shit that's, that's not supposed to be, you know, big. Yeah. No, I I get that for sure. I used to have like. I used to get like panic attacks a long time ago from like just drinking a lot of coffee without eating anything in the morning yet and yeah. having a lot of sugar in my coffee and I, <laughs> I don't put sugar in my coffee anymore. But I used to have these crazy panic attacks because of it and certain things would just make like freak me out. Like I would think about like huge objects and I, so I know what you mean and that would like make my brain just like melt. I would be like, no, no, no I can't like anything big. Yeah, it's weird. I, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's fucking freaky, man. But yeah, the USO shit where they say that they've seen objects under the water that were so big. Uh, I think one of the people that Stephen Greer had uh, brought together for one of the books w- was on a um, aircraft carrier and said that yeah. they had spotted something that was like twice the size of the aircraft carrier or was like the aircraft carrier size and diameter and yeah. came out of the water and just disappeared into the sky. It's crazy. That would be, yeah. I'd probably quit Yeah, everything I was doing. Move I mean, it out into the woods. It'd be hard to see something at that scale, not even just size scale, but just something that like un, uh, unimaginable, like scale of just not being able to explain. Yeah, and then go back <laughs> to like to, to regular. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna like. <laughs> yeah. Go How to do the you mall. wait on hold with a customer service representative after you've seen a uh, a, a, a several thousand foot alien craft? Yeah, exit the Pacific Ocean and fly out to the stars, and that's almost the natural like barricade in, involved in this kind of like stuff. When you do like personal, like we do, just like personal research, you know, we're not going presenting our our findings and things we see in books to like yeah. anything. We just I just read books about this stuff because I think it's cool, and and you know there are people that take it to another plane, but I don't yeah. I don't know. That's I'd just, like to say that we do due diligence of reading sources that are maybe have an opposite viewpoint or try to debunk it, but. I don't really do that shit. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just think that like it, it. I, I just feel like I have a natural barricade where I'm like not going to go too far because then how do you, how do you live in a society? How do you like cope in a society where you're just like, well, none of this means shit because there's some crazy shit happening that like, and that can be in politics or yeah, totally. like, It's really hard. Like I think you need just a natural, like barricade just to like stop yourself from going too oh, totally. far. I think that self-awareness that is uh, yeah. something that a lot of people don't have or maybe we don't even have. Maybe I don't have. I don't know. But you always yeah. think that your outlook on the world is at least somewhat correct. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to function in it. Or you just naturally develop one that makes sense. You yeah. Know, you, you and then you remember to. that people on next to you, like uh, people who are next to us on the bus today, could be just so, so fucking crazy. One time mm-hmm. I was in line getting a, a hoagie at Cosme's and the guy behind me, we're just making small talk, and he was one of those... Um, Sovereign citizen people. Have yeah. you ever uh, seen any people with their YouTube videos or fallen into that? I, I guess I would call it a conspiracy theory section of, of thinking. Mm-hmm. There's people who believe. Actually, no, I have no idea. Oh, it's cr- it's wild. Um, they they believe this. Maybe they're right. I don't know. But the, the, their interpretation of U.S. law and just 
I guess in general has all these bizarre little twists and turns involving like wood in courtrooms mm-hmm. and things being boats and nautical law. So basically they feel like they can lawfully argue their way out of anything, whether it be taxes or yeah. police stopping or anything like that. They're just like, well, no, I'm a sovereign citizen because I've just because I've declared I'm a sovereign citizen. I doubt there's any people who are part of the sovereign citizen movement listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they'll throw in some hate or maybe they'll clarify it for us. But this guy was fucking wild. He was just being like, you know, if you just say this or carry this card and he handed me like a little card, he's like, you don't have to pay your taxes. You don't have to do all these things. And that guy's just walking around going to the bank, you know, like yeah. getting, his, like, getting a hoagie and I get it. I mean, but you can't, you can't stop a cop from like, you know, <laughs> arresting you and throwing you in jail. You're not I big mean, enough. A lot of you know, people you know, have tried. Yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> fucking work. shoot him. I mean, he could, <sighs> yeah, it's that, not going to work out well for that's, yeah, anybody. I didn't, I didn't know that that was a, a thing or a movement, but that's yeah, now that I've said it, it, you might see, stumble upon some YouTube videos or some shit on Reddit where somebody's like getting pulled over and has their cell phone out and then just goes into this ramble and you're like, damn. And that's just one of the small examples of how fucking crazy the person next to you uh, may be. Yeah. I, I th- like, <laughs> I haven't like even like told this story at all, but recently when we were on our flight back from from London when we came back from the tour I had an experience where like you know I like to try to surround myself with people who aren't crazy or going to like be weird like you know it's easy when you walk down the street and you see somebody coming at you that's like obviously like you want to not mess with or whatever but you try to like navigate it all and 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 stay away from any sort of danger or somebody that's a little crazy or whatever. But I was, I fell asleep on the plane and I woke up and, uh, I looked over and there was an empty seat next to me and there was a guy in the window and he was just a guy traveling by himself. He's probably like late forties, early fifties, whatever. And he was, I had headphones in and he was like motioning me to like put my, take my headphones out. He was like trying to talk and I was like, oh, what does he want? And the, like the lights are all off in the plane and everything. And I pull out the thing and I look over and I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he was just like, you know, you, uh, you slept like most of the flight. Um, and that's a really good idea. Cause then, you know, you'll be able to just go through your day and then basically telling me that like, and I was just like. Dude, what? <laughs> like, like, and then I just had immediately had this like image of him like watching me sleep, and I was like, all right, I'm, he's he's probably just that kind of guy that likes to talk, and like, I am not the kind of person that will just so readily like talk to strangers or just comment on how I noticed that they were sleeping on a plane. You know, it's maybe a boundary you <laughs> don't cross with people. Br- bring it up, <laughs> yeah, or bring it up even if I did notice yes, it. But uh, so I was like, yeah, man, so whatever. So I put my stuff back in and I just tried to like zone out and just uh, get through the rest of the flight. And so we land and we had to go to the customs like car- Carnet, it's called. Yeah, we have this thing called a Carnet, which is like an agreement that we, it's, it's how we move equipment around legally. Yeah. And so we basically, you have to like go to a desk and just claim that you have this stuff and it's for tax purposes and all this stuff that we do. Yeah. It's just another Import, level of like and shit. travel yeah. bullshit that we have to deal with, with uh, the amount of equipment and stuff we travel with yeah so we had to get to this desk and we're the only people waiting at that desk and i turn around and who else is fucking there but this guy <laughs> so it was, guy was i remember that yeah, guy it was, that was him he's a bizarre bizarre guy he was a bizarre guy and then in the light like i said the plane lights were off and everything and in the light of the bright fluorescence of the airport i noticed the heat like he had like i don't want to judge i hate being like this but it's yeah, important yeah, that i were at least aware little of, story spice yeah, yeah he had yeah. like stains on his on him and i was just like you're a grown <laughs> man like why do you have stains all over your shirt he was like 
put together well enough, but then there were these signs that he may have been a little, (laughs) I don't know, different. And he... I was like, he's like, oh, you guys, he's noticed all the equipment. And he was like, oh, you guys are really like, oh, you traveling? And I was like, yeah, we're all part of the group. I was like, I'm with them. So don't fuck with me. You know? yeah. <laughs> I have people with me. I don't know. And uh, he's like, cool. Yeah. And I said, we're in a band and we have the equipment. It was obvious. Then we had the like, guitars and stuff. And then I was just like, what is this guy doing in this line? Like, why does he need to be in the Carnet line or the customs? Yeah. And he said that he's like, yeah, it was like a banana and an apple. And they brought me here. And I was like, bullshit, dude, you don't have a banana and an apple. Like what? And I was like, all right, man, we'll have a good day. And then we left. And I was still right now thinking like why he was flagged. Mm-hmm. He brought, he and just had knows? an entire bag of bananas. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. banana smuggler. Yeah. But I was like, really a banana? I don't know, man. You could have just thrown that away. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that for one second. So then I was like, hell yeah, prove my theory. He's up to some shit. Yeah, he's a Pat weirdo. Pat myself on the back. Validated my... <laughs> yeah, and back to the original point, those people walk among us all day. You yeah. Know? Every, there's so many fucking wild-ass people. Yeah. So keeping our own ideas and stuff in check is like a, a nice down-to-earth, uh, you know. Yeah. Just yeah. a little, little caveat, a little remembrance. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Hell yeah. Well, I think that we should probably do this again. Yeah. Hey. Maybe we t- test drive that. We can test drive that idea of uh, we, we like rip off like um, some of those true crime podcasts. Instead of doing true crime, we'll do like, uh, you know, a supernatural event or a UFO thing. We can mm-hmm. kind of like tell the story of it. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Let's take it on the road. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Can you imagine going on tour with no overhead? Right. And not just like money overhead, I mean like logistical overhead. Imagine if we could just get off of a plane, go to a hotel room, and then go to a place, do a show, and then leave. That'd be nice. We the the amount we travel and the amount of logistics involved in the way we travel, it's that common question we get. It's like it must be so nice to go to all these places and you're like, Well, I was in Stockholm for about ten hours. Yeah. I didn't see shit. Yeah. You know, just using Stockholm as an example. So it's like the idea of traveling in a different way is like amazing, especially to us. But oh, totally. to actually be in one place for an extended period of time and actually being able to to do it um yeah. for a, another purpose rather than the one that we are very fortunate to be able to do but can become um stressful and, and, yeah. and you know you don't get to totally you talk to a family member and they're like hey bye I saw we, you was in St. Louis last night how was that and you're like well the parking lot a half hour outside the city next yeah. to the next to the, the the strip mall was was lovely yeah it was it was great <laughs> I saw the skyline it looked fine yeah it was nice it was gray yeah it was it was raining I don't know I didn't leave the room what do you yeah mean? not shit talking St. Louis I love St. Louis we have to be very yeah, careful right. not to shit talk places you ever notice that <laughs> yeah. one time I no, we, you gotta we, love every city that we ever go yeah to. It's so fucking funny Chicago totally and it's funny because in private we'll talk about how fucking shitty they are but it's also just like ball busting ourselves or like getting into the I do feel like on tour with the the crew and band all of us together so like you know 10 people will often make up a common enemy Mm -hmm. that we can all rally against and that actually improves morale whether it's a city that we're on our way to that we actually like but for some reason we're like oh it's gonna fucking suck there yeah Um, and it's been taken so it's been taken or has taken me so many times back to a city to finally like it I used to full disclosure here I love Texas now. I love yeah, it so fuck, much. Texas I used is to awesome. Not like Texas because we would just go through it. We'd have to drive really far through it to get to the cities we were playing, either from the east or west. We'd yeah. have long hauls. It would always be hot. We were traveling in 
uh, our first van didn't have like no an AC, air conditioner. Yeah. So we would take so long to get to these places and then you get there and then you play and you have to leave. So I remember like San Antonio, which now I'm like, San Antonio is awesome city. But at the time I was like, I don't like San Antonio. Cause we stayed, we just went to the place where the show was and then we left. We didn't get to see anything. Yeah. So I'm glad. No that, Alamo. Yeah. Nothing. Not that little river of everyone's right next to everything. It's, it's beautiful. And, and so I'm glad now that we've been able to go back to so many places. Cause otherwise I would just have this taste in my mouth of a certain place that was just, uh, just not, not great and not, and not really true to the actual place. For sure. So that's yeah. another benefit. We at least get to go back to places to build a, yeah. a love for them. It's awesome. And if it is dangerous, you could kind of just like, like we said, steamroll through the universe waiting for people to hand you things. You could kind of just not even be cognizant of where you are. If you're on the bus until, you know, I've, there's been times where I would sleep until two or 3 PM, mm-hmm. get up, uh, you sound check, then do whatever other shit we got to do. The press, roll around, practice, play the show, uh, roll off with some friends there. Then you get to bed at like 5 a.m. again. You realize that you didn't experience the city at all. Yeah. You kind of have to make a, a conscious effort, which is, you know, a great thing. And it's awesome that we get to do that. But yeah. it could get easy, especially if you're on if you're on one, yeah. which we've both been in the past where you're like, hey, three days went by and I've, wow, I drank a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was uh, always like, also on the the flip side of that, I would end up like loving some places like so much just <laughs> because, because of the of bar how, that like, was there. Yeah, because of how drunk I was. Yeah, I'm just like, oh man, X City is amazing. <laughs> I'm like, why is it so amazing? You know, it's I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it is funny you mentioned Texas too because I feel like there was a couple spots in Texas that we were just like, ugh, like El Paso. Yeah, uh, which now I love. Yeah, totally. Great, now man. we've been there enough now where I'm just like, oh, this place is great. I still got Houston can. We could put it in a little bit more work in Houston, maybe. Yeah. Every, so it's a one. It's the fourth largest city in the country, but we can't. We don't draw that many people there. It's like yeah. one of our smallest show places. So that's funny to uh, think of it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an enigma for us. We're just like, this is a great, huge place. Um, I don't know. Buy some more damn tickets, Houston. Yeah. Right. Come on. Hell, fucking hell. I want to keep going so we can go to NASA. Yeah. Exactly. We <laughs> man, we met some friends in uh, in Houston. Um, that took us on a tour. We should have brought, we got, we got to tell the story. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we get, got to have the NASA dudes. I, I know, man, it's been one of my goals for years. Podcast. I got to talk to Cam and Casey and those guys. Uh, so we got hit, you know, made the connection, um, through Twitter for, I forget exactly how it was. I think I was talking to Cam about it. Yeah. Or I gave him my number. I don't know. Whatever. We, we linked up through the internet in, the, in a beautiful way. And yeah, we met like a few dudes who are like our age, yeah. even, maybe even a little bit younger. I'm not positive. Yeah, I think they're a little bit younger. Who work for NASA and we became friends and they like our band and we love NASA. Yeah, and we so. got to go to NASA. And unfortunately, d- fucking Dave couldn't come because he wasn't a U.S. citizen. So it was like, that t- yeah. not, we didn't need you know any type of clearance or anything like that, but it was like background check shit. And we get to uh, to, to, to the um, Houston, um, the... What's the fucking, what's the NASA thing called? I'm blanking. The uh, Space Center. Not the Kennedy Space Center. It's in Florida. Or maybe what? I forget. Well, so wow, we get yeah, there, and the original uh, Apollo, thir- uh, the Apollo mission control room is there intact. We get to go and take a fucking tour of it and hang out in there and take pictures with it. Um, the actual mirror that they used on the outside of Apollo 13 to remember that scene in the movie where they like guided the the, the guidance system back using that. Mm-hmm. They put that above the water fountain in the room so all the engineers in there can like, you know, 
look at it and be reminded of what they're doing and why they're there. We got to go see some of the prototypes that they're going to be that they were looking into as far as delivering people to the space station after they retired retired the shuttle. We got to go inside the fucking space shuttle. We got to go into remember when we got to go into the actual mission control observation room where they let like congressmen and and like uh, we big sat donors in, like, and shit. The press room. It was, yeah. They had a live press conference from an astronaut in space. Yeah, at dude the time comes at up the on ISS. the screen. They were doing long term. It was the I think first. It was Chris Kelly. Yeah, um, ball guy, right? Like, you believe so? Yeah, yeah he, he spent. He, he holds was, a record. He, yeah, he was American in space record, for like yeah. a year yeah. to test the long term effects of humans in space because eventually we'll probably have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just for uh, research purposes, go up there for longer periods of time. And they were testing that, and he was in the middle of his mission, and he was doing a live press conference with like MSNBC or CNN or something, and they were feeding it, and we were in the room watching them basically communicate with him yeah, live it was incredible on this huge screen and we were sitting behind this glass in this like press room and yeah. looking into the mission control of them live having this conversation with him we were just like what that was to me the craziest thing I've yeah that was seen. fucking nuts we were just in it in the shit it was yeah, incredible that was amazing uh, the other parts of the complex had they had like a fully assembled I think it was a Saturn V rocket one of the large rockets in that warehouse we just got to go check it out and walk around and it was so big yeah that was that was something, man. That was one of the coolest things we ever did. We were in That's one cool. of the rooms where they have a uh, the ISS uh, assembled and like a modular assembly of the ISS. Yeah, yeah, you can like crawl through it. Yeah, and we were there and we had to leave because they were bringing astronauts in to solve a potential problem or or run some kind of drill. Yeah. So up they have on the a, actual ISS. So they have one down and that they that they like test shit out on before they give the astronauts it's like the a uh, directions full up there. An interactive like model of the actual ISS as parent yeah, essentially. And so they can just like cool. use it to train on the ground as they would exactly how they're there. Man, that was I can't I wanna get hit those guys up and go again. I believe Casey operated the Canada arm, which is uh the robotic arm uh, that's attached to the ISS that they use to, I don't know, fucking grab things. Well they send um like on rockets, like they'll send uh, shipments of um, supplies and stuff, yeah. and they'll th just th basically throw it up into space Fucking and grab this <laughs> huge arm that's the size of like a building. Yeah, uh, a mechanical arm goes and grabs these are these like crates or whatever they put them in, and our our friend that works there is in charge of not in charge. Well, I don't know what he does, but he works on that arm. Yeah. And that's crazy. I mean, crazy. Like, and I'm not, I'm sure he arm. does. He might have, I don't even know what he does now. He still works there. So he's probably gotten up, uh, you know, yeah, in, yeah. In, in his responsibilities and cam's job was fucking crazy too. I believe that he was working in material sciences. This is what I gleaned from his explanation of his job. So forgive me, mm -hmm. but he basically works on computer models with engineers all day, trying to make, um, the thermodynamic shielding on the different things be more efficient. So like work better and mm -hmm. way less. It just sits there. I mean, that's fucking crazy. So that's cool. Crazy. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it's really cool. And the fact that they're like younger too, it's just like so cool to have like a conversation with dudes who like work within this and they're just yeah, like your having age. Yeah. a couple beers that night at and the we show. We went out to like awesome. a bar after and after the show and just like hung out and I'm just like, we have to get up and just like drive to another show. Like you guys have to go work at yeah, you have, space. <laughs> you have to go so work sick. at astronauts <laughs> yeah. at NASA. And it, you know, yeah, I guess you always have this image of people that work in those things of being like older, like so crazy experienced and just yeah. like, you know, have the, like, there's like a, 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 a physical even look I, I, that comes to mind, <laughs> but yeah. they're just like kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Cool. Casey's actually a great photographer. I like following him on, uh, on Instagram. So cool. 
Pretty great, rad. Great dudes. Is, Nas- is, is Houston back? Houston's back. Well, Houston's back. Yeah, That's Houston what I'm saying. Houston was never gone. You're I, right. See, every time we talk shit on a city, it's never... It's never true. There's always like incredible parts of it. It's true. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to just uh, remove that the the negative like first experiences or whatever from your mind, and then you're just like, wait, I've had so many great times there. Everywhere's back. Everywhere's cool. Yeah, it's true. I'm not even if just giving lip service to everybody. Like we, it is fun to have the common enemy to like rail again. There was one place we were in on the European tour. I forget exactly where it was. Where it was like, this is gonna fucking suck. But we ended up. Uh, you know, like yeah, yeah. This guy waved in. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. The uh, but it's you know they're always fucking great. And we're going to play a show, and all the people who come to see us want to see us. Yeah. yeah, we have our clunker off days. We did get stuck in Salinas, Kansas, for like four days once. Yeah, yeah. That was we rough. Didn't. Yeah, it was rough. That was, we had fun. But we had fun. I, I think the best part, and I will say this, like, and I think this sums it up, so there there really is no shit talk on any city because the one of the best things we get to do is we get to go to the Chicago's and the LA's all the time, and yeah. those cities are amazing. We also just get to go to places that we would never have normally gotten to go for or be in, in for any reason. Ever. For There's, no reason And I, I can't think of like the exact places off the top of my head, but there are so many places... And the fact that we have gotten to experience so many smaller towns or places off the path um, in different states, countries, everywhere, uh, that is the coolest thing. So yeah. that's what I mean by everything is great. Because yeah. <laughs> it really yeah. just is. You get to just see so many places and experience so many places that you should never normally be in. Totally. Like, what would the all group of us ever be doing in Ashland, Oregon? Yeah. Or uh, Macclesfield. We spent yeah. several days in Macclesfield in the UK. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Why Outside would I ever do that? Yeah. Yeah great love that place and those things and it's yeah it's just a we're really lucky and it's been a fucking great journey sucks that it all has to end I'm quitting Joe's quitting right now he actually is taking a job at NASA um oh man community you can do communication shit right I mean think about it I get yeah you're good at talking to people you're on a podcast right now that's true this is my resume yeah NASA NASA, give us a, a podcast, Two Idiots. That big arm in space. <laughs> that thing's cool. The, the catches stuff. <laughs> They're like, all right. Uh, well, I that. can name it. I'll name it. Yeah. They're NASA. Fuck yeah. Come up with funny names. They've got a NASA. That's like the, 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 the idea that there's just people in rooms that just come up with shit. Mm-hmm. Like remember after September 11th happened and they were like, yeah, they're hiring all movie producers to come up with um, terrorist scenarios. We could be yeah. those people. Yeah, I could come up with some crazy shit if yeah. you wanted me to. NASA, do you need a jingle? <laughs> yeah. Do you, wow, that, yeah. They got oh, a yeah. brand. They got a, like... Yeah, they need to... Re- they do have a brand. People wear NASA jackets and shit. I wore a NASA NASA's jacket huge yesterday. now. Yeah, it's NASA's like all over um, Urban Outfitters. You can, you can buy, like, yeah, like NASA t-shirts yeah, and stuff. That. It's crazy. Which is a great... I, th- I hope that interest comes back, especially with, you know, that they're going to do... So some of the prototype stuff that they were sending people out into space with, well, that they built that we got to, like, take our pictures in front of and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually now... SpaceX is going to deliver astronauts to the ISS this year. So we've been... That's crazy. Yeah. I think there's four, three or four companies that are going to put people into space this year like space tourism and shit yeah I mean Virgin Galactic SpaceX there's like a Boeing thing damn we need we could be like like the flight attendants oh my god <laughs> let's get in on that yeah that would be fucking cool I always thought my biggest thing could that could help 
not being uh, afraid of flying is becoming a flight attendant and just having to like do it all the time, one, and two, like having a purpose while I'm doing it. Yeah. Like I'd be up walking around like too busy about, you know, regard like making somebody coffee and to not care about turbulence. You know? Yeah. I'm just like, I don't care about this fucking turbulence. I got to get this guy's coffee or he's going to be pissed. I think that's the right, I mean, that's like what we call it exposure it. therapy. Yeah, and yeah, or, yeah. Uh, so Just being exposed to it, you just have to get used to it eventually. Yeah, and I'm not going to be a pilot because I don't take way too long yeah. and I am don't want to be responsible for that many people. Yeah, I bet you could do it. I'd let you fly me around. Really? If you knew how to do it, yeah. I got a steady, I got a steady hand. You got a steady hand, hand yeah, right? I got a surgeon hand. <laughs> It's shaking. It's just like shaking. I've also had like three cups of coffee. (laughs) Back it. So space flight attendants, that's our backup plan when the ban. What would your backup plan be if, God forbid, the ban ban went away? Oh, geez. If people stopped listening to music. Oh, I don't think about this ever. (laughs) I never think about this. Um... Oh man, that's tough because there it, there's a very fine line between things I would would want to do and then hopefully be able to do. Yeah, true. Uh, and I not that I'm not able to do anything. You're all able to do whatever you want. Yeah, right. The American fucking yeah. lie. We're all <laughs> so smart. Our generation got fucked by that. I don't know. I I would I would uh, really like to do something in uh, film in some capacity from the from the the smallest job to potentially the biggest anything involving that would be really cool it's always been like the second passion of mine that's been a super unique and uh attractive part of your personality is your ability to recall facts about film your knowledge about film and your your love for it it's pretty pretty sick i could see you doing that for sure yeah i love it it's like it takes up a lot of time if if i realize it or not i'm always thinking about it or, or recalling things of of yeah i i i love it it's yeah totally. i think that would be cool i could see you doing that should be sick if you're listening to this and you got and you like film and you want joe to do something for you email hire me hire him yeah i'll make a business card film guy right you know punk i went to finds film punk finds film <laughs> and buddha and buddha it's a very that specific job <laughs> so if anybody wants to write a, a half true biopic 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 I always want to say biopic. What is it? I don't know, man. Biopic, biopic makes a lot more sense. Biopic sounds like a procedure. Yeah, it sounds like a word I would use that I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that would be like something. I love you, Kaylee, but I say I talk a lot of shit about stuff I don't know, <laughs> and she's like, you know, <laughs> just do your research first. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think the things here, I know a lot of shit. You know a lot of shit. It's just, you know, you get a little, a lot a little of spice and a little flavor. Yeah, because, it's hard to filter. A little black, yeah. We spent, think about how many hours we've spent at venues and bars where all we do, all anyone can do is talk shit. Yeah. Just yeah. talking shit forever. Totally. Yeah. But yes, if anybody out there wants to write, uh, produce Joe's biopic, biopic. Bye. Yeah. Where he becomes, where he meets Buddha call. and gets into film and goes on a journey and somehow ends up in like wine country. Yeah, that's how those things usually. That's the color palette. I'll I'll end up in Italy at some. Point. You end up in Italy. There has yeah. to be something Italian in there because you're just watching a boat sail yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. On the cliffs of Calabria. While I make my olive oil. <laughs> that's like you know that new like Picard Picard show that's on where he's just like I haven't seen it yet, but the trailer leads me to believe where he's just like Captain Picard. He's like done with space travel and he's just retired like <laughs> on a farm or something. I don't know. That's 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 me. After all of my travels, yeah, <laughs> in space as a space flight attendant, yeah, I just you retire as a space flight attendant. Retire to my olives. Yeah, I bet I like that. I yeah. think that that imagery of you stomping olives while you're watching another space thing 
yeah plane going to space where you had so many connections to yeah yeah one well tier. like uh like a like a like a rise against song comes on the the classic radio station in the background yeah yeah the, uh that's uh, that's the final image of your movie i think that's a good place to wrap up the old the old podcast as well I love it. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it so much for all you guys out there listening. Um, if you want to get at me or Joe, you can get at me at Tom at futurefriday.net. Um, if you want to talk to Joe, how should they how should I get in touch with you? Through Tom. So you could come to me and I'll yeah. be the arbiter of your connection. Yeah. You know, that kind of ups the level a bit and makes you more high profile. Yeah. Yeah. I back that. Everything's filtered through Tom. Yeah. I'll be your agent. I don't charge commission. Great. I just use it to control you. Except when we get this picture deal. Yeah. Then I'll you charge a little bit. You can get in on that for sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. But thanks so much for, having, for being here with me. I can't wait till we do it again. We got to do that, uh, that UFO thing. It'll be sick. Yes. On the road. On the road. Hell Let's yeah. Do it. Bye-bye. See ya. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of the Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like the Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.